You're listening to The Maastricht Diplomat. Hello everyone, I'm Hadrian, and welcome to the first episode of a series where we look at recent films and analyze them in their broader social-political context. So today, we're just a few days away from the last ceremony of the film festival season, the hypermediatic and industry-level Oscar Awards. And for those who don't know, it's Hollywood's biggest event of the year, hosted by the Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences. So while many films nominated this year were widely predictable, the category for Best Foreign Film was particularly interesting. And today, we're going to be looking specifically at Belgium's addition to the list, the movie Close. Released just last year, this is director Lucas Don's sophomore film, and it's already a huge success. It was already a huge success at Cannes, and it follows the daily lives of two best friends, two 13-year-old boys, Leo and Remy, and we're introduced to their friendship as being extremely, well, close and particularly intimate. That all changes one day when a new classmate casts a seed of doubt on their dynamic, implying that there's something more between them. This touches Leo so much that he can't seem to stand the perception of others on him and on his friendship, ultimately driving him away from something so beautiful and leading them to a very major life event. I'm here with Lean today, who also just had the honor to watch the movie. <laughs> Hello. Hi, Lean. Hi. So, what were your thoughts on the movie? Oh, I absolutely loved it. I thought it was a beautiful movie. The cinematography was wonderful and the plot was so original in its content. Yeah, it gave me a very it would give me a lot of a, like a call me by your name vibe because it was so authentic and natural when it came to tackling the emotions that the characters felt. This was very delicate as well. Yes, it really really was. Tackling such a sensitive t- subject like the movie, it was interesting because the empathy with which it was told really really struck out to me and made the movie so beautiful to watch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think it was really beautiful about like the cinematography that's just so subtle mm-hmm. in just depicting, you know, all these close-ups, so all natural. these getting up close to the emotions, yeah. you yeah. know. Yeah. It's it's someone that wants to dive you into a film this director, I feel. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's like that. It's so sensual as well. You could feel you know, you could feel the heat. You could taste the food that they were Absolutely. eating. You really understand the emotions. Yeah, which made it so essential. Yeah, sensual. I mean, and that's why I also think that nature played a huge role in this film. Mm-hmm. I mean, in terms of just looking at the flowers, for those who don't know, mm-hmm. these kids live in these fields and they spend their mornings helping their parents just gathering the flowers, gathering the plants and yeah. the crops and everything. And so it plays a lot with how in the beginning, you know, with happiness, it's just very typical metaphor that, I mean, all poets, everyone who writes, everyone who makes art use, and it's just Mm -hmm. playing with the seasons in terms of the season of love, the season of happiness, and Mm -hmm. they show this with these blooming flowers that these Mm -hmm. two kids run through. Mm -hmm. But then obviously, as we said in the synopsis, when things turn sour, Mm -hmm. we can say, um, flowers change completely, and they're actually destroyed by machinery. (laughs) So I think that's an interesting parallel. For sure, yeah. But, you know, what I actually thought was the most innovative element of this film Mm -hmm. is that this movie never explicitly mentions in the end whether Leo and Remy are in a relationship, Mm -hmm. if they are queer in any way, Mm -hmm. or if it's just a friendship. Mm -hmm. Because obviously the main catalyst of this movie, the inciting incident, is when the girl approaches them and asks them if they're more than friends. And that's the first time they've ever heard that in their lives. Yeah. 
Because, and, yeah, their physical and emotional intimacy is so natural to exactly. them. Like, they've known each other for so long. And just watching the film, you could sense how much trust they have for each other, how intimate they are on all levels. And it doesn't really make a difference for them whether this is physical or emotional at all. They're just expressing themselves in the most yeah. natural way, which is most, something that yeah. you don't see ever exactly. in uh, adolescent relationships or no, in adult relationships. No, it's always influenced by external factors. It's always influenced by, for example, societal constructs. And I think the fact that they are children also plays a huge Absolutely. role into that. the most important role. The fact that they are children and that, of course, also the mother of Remy, where they sleep over, is very tolerant and open for any kind of intimacy. Yeah, that leads to them never, ever questioning their relationship and just... Just expressing ex- their love yeah, naturally, ex- yes, yeah. as we're intended to. Yeah, and that's and also <laughs> the only thing that matters, really, in their relationship. That's mm-hmm. exactly what the first part of the film is dedicated to, just showing mm-hmm. the, us these beautiful shots of them having mm-hmm. sleepovers together, running mm-hmm. through the fields together, enjoying yeah. family time together, and just being so intimate, so refreshing. Yeah. You've never yeah, seen yeah. a relationship yeah. like this on screen yeah. between two boys, as you wouldn't have, well, probably, yes, between two girls. Mm-hmm. That's why it's so innovative that it's mm-hmm. about masculinity, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and also their relationship, yes, it's intimate on an emotional and physical level as well, but it's also just a friendship. Yes. It's also just a platonic friendship. What you it's see, the realest friendship. Exactly. Absolutely. What you see are these very natural scenes that I think we all know from our childhood. You know, two boys just running around in the forest, like sprinting. I remember what that feels like to just sprint through fields and forests and imagining that you're, I don't know, running away from some predator and they're yeah. fighting in the fields, you know, and that's what they share is also this this imagination that is an essential part of childhood. It's all very, very natural and nostalgic in that sense. And that's interesting that you mentioned Predator because actually before we were trying mm-hmm. to understand what the very first scene of the movie meant. Mm-hmm. And for those who don't know, the first... I the, love that. Yeah, yeah the yeah. movie actually opens up with this scene of these two kids together sort of hiding out in this tunnel Mm -hmm. and it's as if there's this imaginary predator that's going after them and they're trying to hide and they're trying to count the seconds until they can actually run out and they're pretending to hear footsteps they're they're, we have to run swords in their hands yeah Yeah, exactly and then finally they're like go 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 and there's that scene where (laughs) they just run out yeah and the movie obviously never explains what they were imagining what this world was to them what they were playing no but when you say predator it makes me think that you know, who is depicted to be sort of the villain, the big bad in this mm-hmm. story mm-hmm. who, just sets like the, the machines, kill the flowers the that yeah. killed their very yeah. close relationship. That was just a completely spontaneous relationship. Yeah. And that's the perception of society. Yeah, So exactly. it's interesting to see, I mean, the first half of the film, as we said, is dedicated to showing how close they are. Mm-hmm. But it's also dedicated to showing their very bucolic existence, you know, mm-hmm. the fields and everything. Mm-hmm which is completely different from the moment they go to school for the first time. Exactly. And there's just this shot becomes a wider and wider angle. It dollies out. Mm-hmm. And starting just from them, it reveals the whole entire school mm-hmm. just to make it even more clear that now they're being yeah. perceived by there's people. There's a break. Something is happening. Exactly. And yeah. the moment they're being perceived by people, the moment their relationship deteriorates until, like we said, we have mm-hmm. that catalyst moment and mm-hmm. everything falls from there. Exactly. Yeah. It's but so it's society. Yeah, yeah absolutely. It's society. Exactly. And that scene really 
sets the undertone, I believe, for the whole film. You know, yeah. it shows that there is this huge contrast, this break. You have something that is so natural, so authentic, so pure and beautiful. Without labels whatsoever. Yeah, because you don't need them. You Especially don't need not the, at that age. It's not relevant at all. It's just two people, two young boys who have found a beautiful friend and some some kind of partner in one another and who want to let that flourish. That's yeah. why, you know, we've been saying it's so innovative that... The movie never cares to tell you, you know, were they actually gay? Mm -hmm. Were they actually in mm -hmm. some form of love no. with each other? <laughs> I didn't even because think about it. Because that doesn't matter yeah. at all. What yeah. matters is yeah. that the mere fear of being perceived exactly. as gay, whether it was true or not, drove Leo away mm -hmm. from this beautiful friendship. Mm -hmm. And I really think that these comments of Leo and Remy's peer tap into his desire to fit into the social construct, yes. which stems from the natural insecurity that kids have at that age, you know? It's like at that age, vulnerability is such a foreign concept. You're basically still a child. You're starting to get confronted with all kinds of things in this world. And the social environment is so important as well, right? And I think everybody remembers a situation in their childhood where they remember the feeling of being vulnerable in a social environment. That is then linked to shame because we are so unaware of it because we have no idea what this vulnerability implies at all. And th so we're ashamed of it. And that's exactly what Leo felt in the situation as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And that's Absolutely. also, I mean, I feel like that's what makes it so painful to watch because I can't even be mad at Leo. I understand yeah. how he feels. I understand that that is a reason for him to, you know, step away from Remy. We've, it's relatable, but it's still painful to watch. So painful. <laughs> yeah. And I think... The reason why it's so painful is because mm -hmm. it's kids. Yeah, And for that's sure. the, if not what we already said before, I mean, this is probably the most innovative thing about the film, that mm -hmm. the director had the courage to put these very heavy topics, yeah. these very sensitive events and storylines and just emotions mm -hmm. on children. But the reason why I think it's so bold is because I feel like it's really relevant today, mm -hmm. also just in our general social political climate mm -hmm. in terms of using this sensitivity mm -hmm. that people, specifically people in power, know that the general public has towards children. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you think about it, it's a big taboo. It's a huge taboo. I it's, mean, you have to be yeah. very delicate with the way you treat children in art and media, you know? Mm -hmm. They're the only things that all of us humans can agree on need to be protected. Exactly. Yeah. And that rhetoric mm -hmm. is exactly what's being used, but we can say arguably in mm -hmm. a negative way, in an exploited way mm -hmm. by politicians yeah. in this very moment yeah. to forego and to bring about their conservative politics mm -hmm. and bills and everything mm -hmm. using the excuse that it's for the children. It's to protect mm -hmm. the mm -hmm. innocence of children. Yeah. 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 And one of the greatest examples we have today in America, specifically in Florida, Governor DeSantis passed, yeah, so, critics are calling, yeah. don't say gay bill, mm -hmm. although technically it's supposed to be called the Parental Rights and Education Act. <laughs> and, of course. Yeah. yeah. And basically this bill is supposed to control what the schools talk about. Exactly. Specifically schools from the ages of four to nine. So we're talking in American school system terms from kindergarten to third grade, mm -hmm. not mentioning anything that has to do mm -hmm. with being gay, being mm -hmm. queer, mm -hmm. anything related to sexual orientation has been completely banned from mm -hmm. the mouths of teachers mm -hmm. in any way, shape, or form. Mm -hmm. And what's also worse, arguably, mm -hmm. is that this bill allows counselors, so people mm -hmm. who are supposed to establish an intimate relationship with children in the sense of 
allowing them a safe space to express themselves when maybe they can't do that at home or anywhere else. Mm -hmm. These counselors are now legally allowed and probably pushed towards informing parents of children mm -hmm. when they suspect that their child might have another sexual orientation mm -hmm. other than mm -hmm. being straight. Mm -hmm. And that's a huge violation, besides a violation of privacy, yeah, of which course. I think maybe people don't think matters because they're children. And so yeah. what matters most that's is another, that. That's another topic of debate. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So maybe if a child finally feels the security to open mm -hmm. up to a counselor, to someone external, mm -hmm. because they know that if they say something like this at home, mm -hmm. they might be subject to any form of violence or yeah. mistreatment, then this counselor breaking this patient confidentiality that's supposed to be a pillar of society yeah, of is a huge violation and it puts the child at risk. Because you it don't is. know what situation they have is. at home. Yeah, and I actually think that's a great example of also taking that innocence away, right? Exactly, from the it's child. very hypocritical. It really, really links to the movie as well, because you know that natural development, whether this is regarding sexual orientation or general interests, is being violated or is being manipulated. You know, it's being distorted by some counselors that are trying to influence the thoughts and interests that the children may have. Yeah, yeah, and I mean the most interesting thing to tackle about this bill mm -hmm. is i mean like i said it's supposed to be called the parental rights and education mm -hmm. act and the reason it's called that way mm -hmm. is because the governor thinks that it's important to protect parents' expectations mm -hmm. and what they want their children to learn or not to learn and he feels that parents should have more of a say in what the children are taught in school. Mm -hmm. And he feels that if a parent doesn't feel comfortable for some reason, mm -hmm. that their child learns about gay things in school, mm -hmm. then schools shouldn't be permitted to talk about it. Just at all. Exactly. Yeah. Because he says a parent should have a right to tell their kids about the existence of LGBTQ rights issues or whatever, yeah. or just yeah. the existence of different sexual orientations on their own terms and shouldn't have a school tell them mm -hmm. when the school is literally supposed to be a child's mm -hmm. introduction into the yeah. World. It's Safe supposed to say everything. It's supposed yeah. to say these scientific facts, just yeah. like the fact that a person can be straight or anything else. Yeah. And the problem here is that it treats anything regarding just being queer, LGBTQ related things as a hush word. Mm -hmm. It treats it as something that's not supposed to be mentioned, mm -hmm. that kids are supposed to be hidden from. Mm -hmm. And regardless if kids in Florida end up growing up in a homophobic household mm -hmm. or end up knowing it or not knowing it, you're still going to grow up with that perception that that's something that's not supposed to be said in school, mm -hmm. as if it were a curse word, yeah. as if it were some really bad taboo, like killing someone or something. Yeah. Yeah. And this development is very, very serious. It's very risky. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's all done under the headline that the children's innocence must be preserved. Exactly. That's their excuse. That's yeah. their excuse. Yeah. It's absolutely. Because when it comes to the innocence of children, we as a society, as a global society, have so many different perceptions on all kinds of topics. Like we've literally gone to world wars about questions of individualism or collectivism, but everybody agrees on protecting the children. And so you would think, oh, my God, this is great. You know, we finally all agree on something. But when it comes to the question how this innocence is preserved, that's when the potential for such harmful constructs really emerge, right? Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, exactly. It's just using this against everyone in a sort of way. Yeah. I feel like another very interesting example of yeah. this sort of legislation is the recent drag bans that are mm -hmm. going on. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of states, the last one was Tennessee, yeah. are banning drag shows 
And the reason they're doing this is, like we just said, to protect childhood innocence. Pushing forward this narrative that children mm-hmm. need to be protected from things that they don't actually need to yeah, be protected, protected from. Us. And, it's, and it's working, unfortunately. Yeah, it really is. I mean, the argument that I've commonly heard is protecting the children from indoctrination and the belief that exposing them to the environments that you just talked about will lead to an indoctrination, which would be the problem. And it's interesting you talk about common topics such as sexual orientation. There are also a lot of other fields that, I mean, there are a lot of other fields where this plays a huge role. So, for example, there has been an ongoing debate in the U.S. between the Democrats and Republicans discussing to what extent books should depict certain Mm. sexual contents generally. And so, for example... I think this was passed a couple of days ago. Governor Ron DeSantis, who is a potential presidential candidate, and he wants to root out, that's the word he's using, not prevent, but root out certain books with graphic content from school districts because, and I quote him directly, quote, it's a hoax in service of trying to pollute and sexualize our children. Exactly. End quote. It's just these subliminal these subconscious messages that they're throwing at us exactly and this is blatant censorship yeah you know like these are forms of art and media and Mm -hmm. they shouldn't be censored in this way Mm -hmm. and just taking this from a broader perspective besides the united states right now recently legislation in hungary Mm -hmm. which has also been shamed a lot by the eu for this regarding the censorship on any books or any form of art really any Mm -hmm. books movies Mm -hmm. even songs anything Mm -hmm. that like we said before, mentions anything related to homosexuality yeah. and other related issues. Sexuality in general Any as well. mention of that yeah. in a book, in a movie, yeah. in a song, can you imagine, yeah. is yeah. banned completely until yeah. the ages of 18. Yeah. yeah. And that's blatant censorship right there. Mm-hmm. It's something that, mm-hmm. I mean, how many movies, how many shows don't even tackle directly homosexuality mm-hmm. but just have it there for whatever mm-hmm. reason and they can't be shown at all mm-hmm. i mean you're blocking children mm-hmm. from the world from what actually exists from mere mm-hmm. completely scientific facts yeah exactly. there's no ideological indoctrination there's exactly. none of that yeah it's just blocking the kids from what yeah. is really going on and it's so contradicting because what is really done is harmful like i remember just speaking from personal experience which taps into the aspect of sexuality growing up in the middle east in mm. dubai i remember we had some kind of biology class And um, I was going to an international school. There was this British textbook and some pages were thicker than others. And of course, there were some guys in my class who ripped the pages apart and turns out they glued together the pages that depicted any form of really of yeah wow. any form of sexual organs, you know, for biological sex educational purposes. But that was forbidden there because, yeah, it was supposed to protect the children, but it just led to all of these children being completely shielded from any confrontation with sexuality, which is such an inherent part of our life, you know? Absolutely. And it, it just leads to pure oblivion in Absolutely. a society. Yeah. The complete opposite. Yeah. yeah, exactly. It just continues this pattern of growing children with a fear of shame mm-hmm. and of hiding certain things, and it just hurts kids. Absolutely. Exactly. So I don't know about the Middle East in general. This is just the personal experience that I had in the United Arab Emirates in Dubai, but I think it's absolutely insane to prohibit mere images like they were drawings of the human body to preserve the innocence of the children when it just has educational purposes. 
And I think this is so crazy, especially considering the fact that in other classes, I was watching cartoons where, for example, Ibrahim, which is a story in Islam, was mm-hmm. slaughtered. And that was somewhat acceptable. Violence was somewhat acceptable to watch, but not sexuality for educational purposes. And just wondering, was it violence for war purposes, for just sake of violence, or was it for religious purposes? It was for religious purposes. Interesting. Yeah, exactly. And it makes sense because, especially in that city and at the time, religion played a very huge role. And sexuality was really looked down on and was a taboo in society. Yeah, People didn't really talk about it. Yeah, And I feel like that's such an interesting parallel, this one between accepting and maybe even promoting violence in mm-hmm. a certain way, mm-hmm. but then hiding and casting shame and doubt on just human sexuality in general mm-hmm. and just sex. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't go through that in terms of any religious aspect mm-hmm. on my side, but Growing up between America and Italy, specifically mm-hmm. with an Italian parent, uh, while growing up in the suburbs of New Jersey, so we were constantly talking about how my mother would notice the complete difference in approaching mm-hmm. topics regarding sex mm-hmm. in America versus mm-hmm. Europe. Mm-hmm. Because in America, for example, in health class, we wouldn't have had pages glued together or anything. Yeah. But at the same time, it was so shameful it seemed as if it was shameful for the teacher to openly mention things about sex mm-hmm. when it was time to talk about sex organs or reproduction or just mm-hmm. anything regarding that mm-hmm. sort of physical sphere. Mm-hmm. The teacher, any teachers, I've seen multiple of them, would sort mm-hmm. of become shyer and sort of act as if it's something that's not supposed to be said out loud, as mm-hmm. if it were in our own mm-hmm. bodies, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. And for example, I even remember we once went to this exhibition. Mm-hmm. It was just modern art and there were all these different installations, these videos, and there was this one short movie, I can't exactly remember because I was young, but depicted this couple, these two adults, Mm -hmm. and they're completely naked, Mm -hmm. and they're in a living room throwing a basketball at each other. Mm -hmm. And it's just like this very like stale, very emotionless. Very modern art. (laughs) Yeah, very two people just naked and playing with a ball, exactly. And I remember distinctly how we were part of the audience watching this, Mm -hmm. and all the parents mm-hmm. would cover the eyes of their children. <laughs> That's insane. But not even children, even 17-year-olds. Yeah. Wow. And I remember my parents, especially my mom, who, like I said, is Italian yeah. and grew up yeah. with a completely different culture yeah. with these things, was shocked by this. Especially since you're from Rome, right? So you're not yes. from some country Yes, village, that also right? plays a role, yeah. absolutely. But something we would always talk about is just the fact that, you know, there's just culture of purity. Mm-hmm. As if these things need to be protected from, you know, and need to only be accessed once you're the right age. But at the same time, if there's anything that has to do with violence, you can access it at whatever age. I mean, we see it from video games. We see it from movies. Violence has always been very enforced and pushed, especially in American culture. Mm -hmm. And that's just something that people feel like kids can watch Mm -hmm. for some reason. But when it comes to two people kissing or yeah. just two people embracing in any way, then that's completely shameful and yeah. it cannot be touched. Yeah. It really shows how the perception on how to tackle these issues is so subjective depending on the region that you're in. It really differs entirely. As you can see with Rome, I had a similar experience and I moved back to Germany. So living in Dubai for a while and then moving back, that contrast also for me personally was utterly confusing 
And I didn't really know what to make of it because you have these two complete different perceptions on sexuality and how the judgment is so different between both societies, which shows that we do have a consensus in our society that children should be protected, the innocence should be preserved, but how to do it, societies completely disagree. Yeah. They take on completely different approaches. And yeah, that's a huge debate. Yeah, that exactly. I, I don't we believe said, we're going to resolve it anytime soon, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, as we said, I mean, the main point is just how risky it is mm -hmm. just for the way these things are portrayed growing mm -hmm. up. And mm -hmm. it has such an important hold mm -hmm. on anything regarding things people can actually feel, mm -hmm. kids can actually feel, mm -hmm. and how they grew up feeling about them. Yeah. And so politicians know this, and mm -hmm. that's why it's a big issue today. You're right, yeah. completely. But speaking about the parallel between violence and sexuality, mm -hmm. I also found it very interesting how also in terms of America and Europe, how the movie Close mm -hmm. actually won a Grand Prix, which yeah. is the second best prize at yeah. Cannes this year. At the Cannes Film Festival. Yeah, yes. which is amazing. It's a huge achievement, second yeah. to best prize in Cannes. Yeah. And as we said, it was nominated for the Oscars, which yeah. was very refreshing actually it was very surprising yeah but they lost out to the war film <laughs> of course all quiet <laughs> the on the western film, front yes which is yeah. a, a very good movie but yeah. still it's interesting to see you know yeah. this parallel about yeah. maybe european people I being mean, more accepting to yeah. a certain kind of film and mm -hmm. american ceremonies being more attached to a traditional and maybe mm -hmm. more war-related, gun-pushing mm -hmm. topic. I mean, I don't think we can make any final statements about this, but it really makes you wonder. Yeah. It really makes you wonder if yeah. this is a coincidence. Just an open statement. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah. No, for sure. I think the movie just really serves as a great example of what homophobic comments that stem from a stigmatized society can destroy and the bills that you just talked about the whole societal issues we talked about that's what fuels the stigmatization absolutely yeah that's what rises this pattern mm -hmm. that's why this shame exists this not talking about things mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it's always this censorship yeah and one must say even though there's a lot of freedom for interpretation in the movie but at the end of the day the movie does critique the stigmatization mm -hmm. just based on the fact that Remy does commit suicide because of the comments that his peers made, which is the representation of the stigmatization in the society in the specific film. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, this is absolutely valid, especially considering that besides the fact that the Oscars per se were really mm -hmm. political this year, mm -hmm. as were many other award ceremonies mm -hmm. in other countries, but it was also interesting to see how the winning directors, mm -hmm. the Daniels, actually made a small comment when talking about drag shows and they yeah. said something along the lines of it's okay kids it doesn't <laughs> matter you know nothing's gonna happen yeah. and just let that pass under the radar you know yeah. so that's definitely something that artists are keeping in mind right now you yeah. know just the the fear of not being able to express exactly. yourself completely yeah and hopefully we don't continue to follow this pattern yeah. of a society where certain things are being hushed, you know, mm -hmm. and certain things there are people in power who are deciding what we can and cannot know. Mm -hmm. And just because it's children doesn't make it okay. Yeah. I think the overall problem, the overarching problem that I identified personally is just the politicization of human emotions. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So because I think emotions are something... That is the innocence we're talking about. There's something so pure, so valuable. Of letting people feel what they feel exactly, literally in the most intense way. Exactly. And it's not something that you can influence in any way. And it should remain completely untouched. It should That's not, what should be untouched. Exactly. So to conclude, this movie really made us question 
how the innocence of children should be preserved and whether the approach that we are taking as in Western society right now is the best way or if there are other means that would aid in preserving this innocence, which we all agree on. Is there any movies that you specifically recommend that maybe relate to this subject matter? Well, I mean, I think in the light of everything that we're discussing and in the light of this really new director who I'm mm -hmm. really excited to see new movies from, Lucas mm -hmm. Don't, this is his, as I mentioned, his second film. And so I guess I would bring to the table his first film, actually, the mm -hmm. movie Girl. Mm -hmm. And it's a movie that also had wide success at Cannes. Mm -hmm. And this time it tackles the theme of gender identity. It talks about a trans girl who tries to fit into the world of ballet mm -hmm. and trying to be a ballerina mm -hmm. and just coming to terms with what it means to be in front of other colleagues and friends and try to relate to them sort of and yeah. fit into that mold. So it also tackles the stigmatization in Absolutely. society. Absolutely. Yeah. But it more shows the effect of that stigmatization on her body. Yeah. And psychologically speaking, it's a much more gritty depiction, mm -hmm. but it's still a very, very successful film in terms of communicating this message of how mere fear of stigmatization, how it just looks, how anything can mm -hmm. deeply and mm -hmm. severely impact a person. Because mm -hmm. we're talking about people who have an extremely high sensibility because of the way they're judged by society. And these are people who suffer from the highest suicide mm -hmm. rates. And so, mm -hmm. you know, that's also ironic when you're talking about protecting children. I mean, yeah. These are the people who are actually suffering yeah. in this moment. As seen these and things. close. As seen yes, and close. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And what about you? Do you have anything to recommend? Yeah, I mean, I have watched quite some movies on the stigmatization, tackling different issues. But one movie that specifically came to mind was Moonlight, mm. which was directed by Barry Jenkins. Yes. Have you watched it? Yes, I have. Yeah. Did I you enjoy have. it? I really enjoyed it. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a beautifully shot movie, which, I mean, this also taps into some other subjects because it's about two young African-American mm -hmm. males. It's about Chiron and Juan. And they meet each other, explore each other together and find out what path they're going to take in life. Yeah, yeah and it's about life completely. Exactly. And it's also about this innocent love and admiration that they find for one another, which is so authentic, but then also gets disrupted by the stigmatization. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And it's interesting because it's a more specific context, you mm -hmm. know, of their own neighborhood and everything. Yeah. And then even there we see like the different phases of life from just being a child. Exactly. The main character in the it beginning. also touches on the children. Exactly. Yeah. And then grows up and then that's what's really interesting how they meet again at the end once they're adults. Yeah. And society's perception is not there anymore as much as it is when you're a teenager, yeah. you know, in school, like in the midst of all of that. Exactly. But when you're an adult and you've formed yourself completely you can re-tap into yeah. who you really are. Yeah. And for some people, that also means getting back in touch with someone who they realized they actually loved. Exactly. And the contrast in the ages in Moonlight is so interesting. Exactly which, true. unfortunately, we couldn't get to see in close. We didn't get a comparison between youth and adulthood because, unfortunately, Remy and Leo never reached that point which is why I would really recommend Moonlight. Also, side note, a beautiful soundtrack and beautifully very shot. Very beautiful, yeah, yes. Very exactly. well-deserved Oscar mm -hmm. in that case. Yeah, <laughs> okay. But I'm very excited to see new movies from this director, maybe even new movies who have the courage to tackle such bold topics in yeah. terms of society and things yeah. like that, and who maybe can give a chance to inform children when schools in many places are not informing children enough, yeah, as we've seen. True. Yeah. So I'm very excited for the future. Me too. Well, thank you very much for listening. We very much enjoyed talking about this movie and dissecting 
the different subject matters that were intertwined in the storyline. Hadrian and I will record another podcast based on a movie. It's going to be based on Call Me By Your Name. And we're very much looking forward to it. Stay tuned. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. The music for this podcast episode is produced by Stone Ocean. This podcast episode has been written, recorded, and edited by Hadrian Diani and Lean Mahaili. Audio technician, Sharar Abdullah.